0: Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. Today, in the Heron Code studio, we are joined by Julie LeBlanc. Julie is the CEO of Merit Incentives, which uses innovative technologies for B2B clients as well as servicing customers with an online gift registry, partnering with over 500 retailers across 100 countries. She's also amongst the Forbes top 20 women behind Middle East tech brands, and this is what you can expect.
1: When I started my career, okay, I was a very young lawyer because I finished university quite early. And I come into a room and basically my male colleagues that are same age as mine, and we have the same degree and so on. And they look at me and say, It's great to arrive, we need coffee. It started to happen when I was a teenager and they told me, "Okay, you can't go out because you're a girl. And I was like, why? But they never told me, you can't look at a job because you are a woman. Never. There are certain things we do by education for girls and for boys that are wrong and need to
0: be changed and need to be addressed. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Julie LeBlanc, welcome to Heron Code's Women in Leadership podcast. How are you? A bit nervous, I have to say, (laughs) but very excited to record this podcast with you and very happy to discuss about the topic. You're excited. I'm even more excited because I've done my research, I've read up on you and You are a phenomenal woman. What you have achieved thus far, I'm sure you get told all the time, or you may not, but it is just incredible. So congratulations, first of all, on everything that you have done. First question, really, for me is... What you have done in maybe now in the present is amazing, but I think that what I would love to know more about is your journey and how you got there as well. How did it all start off? You're quite an international nomad. You've traveled (laughs) quite a bit. You've worked everywhere. Yeah, you can say that. It's the right (laughs) word, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. Uh, How did the journey start into becoming who you are today?
1: To be honest, you don't wake up one day and you say, I'm going to do all this and move to Dubai and and so on and be an entrepreneur. Even I had no idea that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I studied uh, law. I'm originally a finance lawyer. So I started my career in, in Paris. I was a finance lawyer for a couple of years working with uh, multinational companies, with banks for very exciting projects, very intellectually challenging, meeting a lot of people. And there was this component of being international at that time, but primarily located in, in Paris and moving around Europe. And I think it's by chance or coincidence or, you know, you have milestone in your life where you decide that you see enough and you want to change. And it happened actually when I, when I was pregnant of my first son, I just realized that I wanted to do something more in my life and have something more flexible. At that time, so it was in 2008, I wanted to have much more flexibility and I found that the corporate world didn't allow me to be as flexible as I wanted for my family and that on top of it, my work didn't challenge me enough. I wanted to do something else, to innovate, to create I really thought at that time that I had no creativity in me and that I couldn't be an entrepreneur, but I was looking up at
0: entrepreneurs and I was really excited about their journey. Let's talk about that looking up, because I wonder the environment in which you started off in, the society, the the people around you, your social circles, was it common for a woman to want to get out there, move international, uh, move out of a corporate and go on their own? Was that a normal thing? Coming from my family, not at all. Uh, I'm coming from a
1: family of teachers and business people, but really French business people, so really located in France. I think I got this wish of moving internationally, came from my parents. They were always pushing us, uh, we are three siblings, they were pushing us to look out there. I studied in the UK, I went to Exeter at that time with the Erasmus program, so. Before Brexit, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And I studied in Exeter for a year and I just realized that there were so many nationalities, so many interesting people and different perspectives and different things to understand. My sister uh, moved one year in South Africa, in Durban. So it's not like we were kind of pushed by our parents to get out and, and move and meet new people and so on. And when I started my career, finance, anyway, you had... No woman. Like, I was one of the only one, and, and by chance, we had international clients, and the fact that I speak English, and at that time, it was not that common, I think it helped to open the perspective, mm-hmm. but not, it was not something normal.
0: Now women in finance I mean if you know you have your dreams as a, as a child as a teenager coming out of college I had this in my industry there wasn't many women that I could look up to though so for you who was it because you know there's a big notion on mentors and idols that you strive to be towards was there anyone in your mind at the time that you thought I want to be exactly like them or I want to you know follow their path? Actually, the business side of it, no one in my family
1: was really in favor of it. They are all intellectual, but they were thinking that you don't need to work for money. You don't need to work and to chase after something very business mind, you know, like you can go and help people. But I think the example of my family, especially women in my family, I was in contact with my great-grandmother. She lived until 101. And I saw all the strong women in my family go, you know, they told me about the war, about all the things they achieved by themselves, they were alone. And also the men in my family, to be honest, uh, my grandfather, they pushed me, they told me always that everything is possible. I never felt at any point that I had a limit. And that being a woman was a challenge. It started to happen when I was a teenager and they told me, okay, you can't go out because you're a girl. And I was like, why? But they never told me you can't look at a job because you are a woman. Never. But I will come back to this later because I think it's a false thinking. It's kind of weird. You say to little girls, they can do everything. They are equal and they can have access to everything. But I think we should prepare girls more for what they will face. I was really shocked when I started my career and I had comments or weird thing, and I was like, but why? Mm. Why do you even comment? It's, it's not even something defining me that I'm a woman. I'm just doing my job and I'm doing some tasks. So at that time,
0: we should have been more prepared. And let's go into your career then. I mean, what you've done so far, you're the co-founder of Women in Incentives Network. It is phenomenal. Uh, You have an international global network now and you are helping women all over the world to become their true selves and who they want to be. And also feeling empowered alongside other women. So what really pushed you to create this? So it's coming from the mentoring aspect. After I
1: decided to start my career as a finance lawyer, when I became an entrepreneur, many people helped me. And many people actually helped me to understand what what it is to be a a business owner, what it is to become a CEO, as well as different from being a business owner. And I had mentors from time to time along the, the years, but most of them were men. And I just find that sometimes it's a shame, exactly like you said, you have no one to look at or no model. And usually women that were in business were too busy handling or juggling between business and I would say their personal life. So they don't have time to take care of someone else or they don't find themselves relevant. The aim behind Women Incentive Network was, of course, connect women all over the world in our industry, making them realise that they're worth it and that their opinion is relevant, that they have a voice. And as a group, we have a bigger voice inside our industry to change things and to lobby sometimes. But the most important thing was to create this mentoring programme where we have women that have achieved already a career that is very, you know, impressive and help them mentor a younger women. And we finished class one now of uh, Women Incentive Network of the mentoring program, and we, we started the class two. And what is very interesting, it's a one-year mentorship program, and all of them enjoyed it very much. We had so many laughs and cries and tears and everything at the end of the program. But what is a success is that... Now, women, between them, they say that they created friendship and they support each other. Most of the time, if you have women at, at the same place or in a business, most of the time the society and, and the corporate environment will put them in competition. It shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't be in competition. You should be proud that someone has succeed, and we should help each other. And... And I think this is the biggest achievement.
0: As soon as you said that, it takes me back to a moment in my career where there was another girl alongside me and there was a big group of people, 10 be- people being selected. And another girl looked exactly like me. You know, she was of my ethnic background. And she looked at me and she goes, well, I guess they're only going to pick one of us. And that was just the norm. That was just what we thought. I I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. At least one of us will get in. But you're so right. Even just as a woman, it doesn't matter of your ethnic background or wherever you come from, it was just being a woman in the room was such a big deal. I can only imagine for you, especially in your industry. Now, you spoke about having male mentors. And I found this quote, which said, conversations centered around gender inequality must include men. What are your thoughts on this?
1: I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should exclude men from the conversation. However, we need to create a safe environment where women can unleash their creativity, unleash their possibility and feel comfortable and feel safe. Because you have bias anywhere you go and you have certain things that happen between men and women when, when you have a meeting, for example. There are studies that prove that um, if you have a meeting between men and women, usually men speak first and don't leave a lot of space for women to speak. And at the end, they say, okay, maybe I'm not relevant. What I'm going to say is doesn't bring anything additional to the conversation. So it needs to be a conversation. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. the thing. So I think now things are changing really fast. And also men are a bit more careful with what how they're approaching or what they're saying. And it's great we had this conversation about women in business, about the Me Too movement, about so many things that happen. And I think people realize, I think the fact we are more connected, the fact that you have more social media, the world is going faster and so on. People cannot hide behind bad behavior anymore. So it has changed
0: a lot. And where do you think it really starts? Is it an education thing to educate young boys from a young age? Is it within the home that parents need to be more aware of, you know, not to stereotype genders in certain industries or in society? What do you think?
1: It's a mix of everything. I think uh, people have to um, live together and to include, a little bit stop the cliché and stop the understanding. So even in the education, it starts with the school. For example, I have two boys first and then a little girl, my daughter. When she started school, I remember the first day, she came to kindergarten, and the teacher said, oh, perfect, Olympe, you just arrived. Uh, you know, the dolls are there. Instinctively, she was going to the cars, the little cows, And I'm like, why? Why do you classify her? So I think there are certain things we do by education for girls and for boys that are wrong and need to be changed and need to be addressed. And definitely a man that had a strong mother, a mother that was working, definitely has a completely different approach in his life, in his work life, and with his wife in general. I think it helps you to understand different things and it opens your mind. But it's a constant education. It doesn't stop with the mother only, I think, because otherwise you put everything on the mother as well and everything is, again, the the responsibility of women so I think it's education it's uh,
0: society is workplace and also calling out behaviors now let's let's just you know tell let the listeners know exactly who you are and what you do CEO at Merit Incentives and giftyglobal.com. you are also named top 20 women and Mina behind tech brands in 2022 by Forbes Middle East that I imagine to your kids is just what <laughs> what does that even mean? She's just mum. And you speaking about family is, is so uh, amazing to me, because you mentioned it earlier, how hard it is for a lot of women to balance that, especially within your network as well, of the Women in Incentive Network. So where did you find that balance? Was there moments of guilt? Was there moments on, you know, a tunnel vision of exactly what you wanted and knew what you wanted to get and the sacrifices, essentially, you made along the way?
1: So that's an interesting question because I don't think any man will be asked this question of guilt. Mm-hmm. And I went to a conference 10 years ago. It was in Abu Dhabi, I remember, at the French embassy. And they asked how to manage the guilt. And I stand up and I say, I don't see my husband being guilty of going to work and sustain to his family. So why would I be guilty either? I think it's a fine balance Definitely my kids don't think, they know I'm the boss and the CEO and so on, and they told me I want to be the boss later on, <laughs> of course. But at home, I'm, I'm their mom. Actually, being an entrepreneur gives me much more flexibility. I don't need to justify to anyone. If I want to go to a school concert, if I want to stop one full day because I think it's the right moment and they need me, I can. If I want to travel on the other side of the world and uh, be on holidays with them and Take one or two calls, then it's okay as well. What kind of corporate environment will allow me this flexibility? Now it's different because COVID happened. But remember, my eldest is 13. 13 years ago in France, I can tell you there was absolutely no flexibility. I was a corporate lawyer, so when I was leaving at 7 p.m. to see my, my son, they were asking me if I take my afternoon off and I had to fight to tell them it's out of question, um, I need this in my life, and I have kids to see them. And that's why I left this environment, because I didn't want to justify that I need to be with my kids. And um, of course, it's a, it's a lot. It's more than a mom that stay at home, and I think a mom staying at home do one of the most difficult jobs in the world. Personally, I don't think I would be able to do that. I need to be outside, I need to innovate and, and be an entrepreneur to feel myself. And I think my kids
0: understand now that they are growing up. Now women or men listening right now uh who have maybe just turned to entrepreneurship, potentially taken the same path as you have from you know corporate world into this what was that moment because I feel like everyone has a moment where they're just like enough is enough I'm done and it takes a lot of courage and able to do that you know to go from a safety zone to somewhere where you're essentially under fire to yes. to really just make it and succeed what was that moment for you to succeed though, to become an entrepreneur to become an entrepreneur to really just start that journey
1: When my first son was born, I was still a lawyer and I continued for a couple of uh, years. But then I got, I was pregnant of my second one. And at that time, I I spoke to to my husband at that time and I told him, "Listen, I don't feel two kids in Paris is going to be very complicated. And we have international career. Why don't we look at, you know, moving abroad for sometimes two, three years and we have a look at it. And so he had an opportunity in Dubai. We moved there. I was six months pregnant and we had a very young uh, first son. And I already quit my job. I left. So I enjoy a little bit of home time with the kids. And then quickly, um, I saw so many opportunities. And I think this is what defines an entrepreneur, is when you see opportunities, when you are able, when you have one idea per day. Or per minute, But the fact that you can move to a concrete business is when you are te- able to filter, take the best idea, the most achievable one, the one you think fits with the market and then move to the, not only from the addition, but from the implementation. And this was a big step. I thought I was not an entrepreneur at all. And I give myself six months saying, okay, I'm going to give it a try. And if it doesn't work, I go back to my corporate job and, and it worked and it was something completely different. My first company was B two C gifting platform. It was one of the first websites in, in Dubai that had a payment gateway. Imagine at that time in two thousand eleven, and called My List, and um, and it was so great. I learned every day. It was amazing. But I would say success came much later. Many failure and many many mistakes and many things where I cry myself to bed and I was like, why on earth did I choose to do that? So it looks nice and shiny now, now because we are, okay, uh, Forbes listing is uh, an amazing achievement. And many of the things that I did uh, in my career, I'm very proud of, but it took a lot of time and a lot of efforts. And um, even like that, I'm not entirely satisfied and complete until I reach other milestone, I would say.
0: And it's so interesting that you say it looks all shiny on the outside, because you're right, especially through social media, especially now through entrepreneurs becoming celebrities, you're talking about Elon Musk, you know, people like that, and it looks all rosy on the outside. And people and I I guess Gen Z's, millennials, their go to is I want to become an entrepreneur, they like the idea of, you know, working on their own time. But there is so much hard work that goes into that. So for anyone listening right now, the the challenges that you came across, I mean, you touched a bit on, you know, the feelings and the emotions behind it, but no one can really prepare you for it, right?
1: Maybe now you have more, you know, course or master or MBA about entrepreneurship. So I think it's something that is a bit more, you know, you can, you can learn it or you can have at least the flavor of it. When I started my career, uh, even as an entrepreneur, Incubator, tech accelerator, and so on were quite new. So we had to grab information there and there, but nothing was like a course where you can go and really learn everything from A to Z. So it came later on in my career. In 2018, I went to uh, San Francisco to do a tech accelerator with other founders from all over the world. And we stayed almost three weeks together stuck in uh, in meeting rooms <laughs> and learning, learning, learning. And even it's a small accelerator because you have accelerators that last. And I did some uh, later on, like New Chip in Texas. and But this one was a condensed one. You have nothing else to do and you are together in the same hotel. Literally, we were sharing rooms as well. So you live 24-7 with other entrepreneurs and you have to push yourself. What, what is really essential, you can't just sit and say, oh, it's so difficult and uh, I can't manage it and it's, uh, life is hard on me and so on. What is very important and what I learn is constantly learning. You need to push yourself. It's never enough. Every day should be a new challenge. Every day it's a new learning. Every day you meet someone else and you need to stretch your mind. You can't say, okay, I achieve and, and that's okay. I don't need to challenge myself anymore. No, every day should be, okay, maybe I don't do exactly
0: the right thing. And this is what's so exciting about being an entrepreneur. Mm. And how important are mentors in this process? Because I'm aware a lot of people don't have access, especially back in the day. You know, you're talking about person-to-person networking. Now it's a lot easier. You have your LinkedIn, you have your social media where you can speak directly to the person, which is amazing for, for business owners and wanting to grow your network. But how important was mentorship for you on a personal level? You, you mentioned you had a lot of male mentors. Was it particularly in your industry? Industry or just general entrepreneurs? How how did that really work?
1: It was a mix of both. I had uh, one of my first mentors was actually an American man that had the same companies as mine in the US, sold it and retired in Dubai. And by chance, we had a common friend that say, "Oh, you should meet." And you know, he's playing golf a lot, but I'm sure he would love to discuss with you. And actually, he ended up joining us, work with me eighteen months to help me, uh, you know, understand, create the product, build the team. It was the early beginning. We had no fundraising, like we were really struggling. But it helped me a lot. And it helped me because he told me, don't do this mistake because I did it. He never told me I'm the best in the world and I've never done any mistake in my life. As he told me, I've been there. Don't go in that direction because for sure it's going to be like an issue very soon. And the fact that he was calm and it was not his company, he didn't have the pressure Helped me to take a distance as well. After that, I had a couple of mentors that come from time to time, from the industry or from, in general, you know, like uh, entrepreneurs that I met along the line. I joined um, EY, uh, winning woman program. I was the first um, woman in UAE to attend this program organized by EY. And my mentor was one of the partners at EY. And I like it because the first time I I came, it it surprised me because he said, okay, what do you want to work on? And I had no idea. I had no idea. (laughs) Literally, it was like, you know, we were overwhelmed by the information and everything. He said, what is your main issue? Like, what do you want to work on? And I told him work-life balance. I want to have more time for myself. He said, but do you mean to be with the kids? I said, no, no, I'm spending enough time with the kids. I want time for me as well to do things i like or things i'm passionate about or a time to learn for example and actually we spoke about everything and he became a friend now but it really helped me to put things in perspective we put a plan together he helped me look at the team structure it was really a eye opening uh, moment and this winning woman program it's a global program as well we still have many women we are co- still connected we still communicate on whatsapp we have events we have we are meeting up we help each other we do business together it was really a great way to help us go to the next level
0: and your personality what is it like is are you quite an extrovert Are you an introvert because for a lot of people listening you know for them to put themselves out there as well when it comes to networking it's quite intimidating you know to to even ask for a mentor or to ask to be a part of these things uh, what was it like for you So, funny enough, I did all these personality tests,
1: so I know what's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I will tell you, but when I did it, actually everyone was surprised because I'm I'm an introvert. I like to be with myself and I like to spend a lot of time in my head. But I've never been too afraid. I think I I was really afraid when I was in high school or when I was in university. I was always concerned about what people will think about me, how I'm going to be passive, if I'm going to be the best. And, you know, like I had a lot of pressure on myself. And the day I realized that anyway, no one cares. (laughs) And it's not no one cares, but like it's the the eye of the others sometimes can be, again, biased. Maybe they don't understand what you are doing or why why you are explaining something, but they will understand later. So you need just to build your self-confidence. And I think this is what's lacking the most with women in general. Our self-confidence is constantly impacted. Even when we raise young girls, we tell them to be quiet. We praise little girls to sit down and do colouring books. Well, personally, as a child, I was a tomboy, and I was everywhere in the trees and doing uh, biking, motorbike, and this kind of stuff. So completely the opposite of what is supposed to happen. And I realised as well I had to play a role when I'm coming, when I was a, a very young lawyer, and I was the only woman in the room, and I'm I'm representing my client, he counts on me, I have no choice. I cannot let him down. So I had to build my self-confidence. I had to work on it. And I did a couple of training as well on public speaking and this kind of stuff, because it's not natural. But now I would say, getting older, there is not so many things that scares me anymore. I don't say that I'm not afraid, or I don't have stress, but I take it as something exciting now. Anything new is a challenge, it's nice, and I want to go out there and I think it helps kids to see um, a different perspective as well.
0: There's so many important rooms I imagine you would have had to walk into with confidence, with your head up high, even if you were feeling absolutely terrified inside. Do you believe in the term fake it till you make it?
1: No, I think you need to be... So never lie, that's one of the things I think it's super important. I think... Most of our major success was the fact that we were able to say to a client, for example, we are sorry, we can't make it. But we can say as well, we can mitigate, we can say we can make it, but you need to wait for it. Or we need to phase it, we need to prepare and to me, the transparency is one of the key elements that makes women entrepreneurs very different because we speak our mind most of the time. I would say it's, it's more about yourself, how people will perceive you. So body language, technique of negotiation and so on, it's not natural. It's something that is, personally in my family, I had no business example, so I didn't know how to position myself, how to negotiate how to do certain things. So it really helped me to be able to understand from time to time, observing others and and doing something different. But I did crazy things that uh, I went to Pakistan without a visa to open a company. And I literally landed and I was, I had no clue if I can stay in the country or not because I had no visa. And finally we sorted out and I got my visa and I opened the company. I hired employees and so on. I got moments uh, at the beginning, just before COVID, I was stuck in Egypt and uh, we couldn't get out. We went to the airport and I couldn't get a car. Then the taxi driver left me in the middle of nowhere. I had, my phone didn't work. So I went at moments, like it was back in 2016. And at that time, I didn't speak Arabic. I didn't know what was the culture. I was just coming to countries and just discovering, just relying on one or two people. To help me and guide me. Yeah, I think it's it's a mix of trust and a bit of craziness or bold attitude. But I never had really a bad experience. I think if you trust others and you speak the truth as well and you are very transparent, I think it's a bit kind of a karma thing. So you are kind of protected, you know, like I don't see so many bad things happening. It's
0: more you need to, to try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that perspective. It's a, it's a more positive one than anything. And you know, you speak of, you speak about the challenges, and you know, the everyone has a story. I feel like every woman has a story of when they've walked into a room, a boardroom, a meeting, just anything, a one to one, a group networking situation where they felt. Serious bias against them. I imagine you have multiple stories. Really? <laughs> I, I, do you have one in particular that really stands out that still to this day it feels like it was yesterday? I have multiple
1: examples I can give you because not one define everything. The fact that it came back so often was really weird. So when I started my career, I, okay, I was a very young lawyer because I finished university quite early. And I come into a room and basically my male colleagues that are the same age as mine and we have the same degree and so on, and they look at me and say, it's great you arrive, we need coffee. Looking at them, I'm like, <laughs> what, what do you mean? Like, Wow. So that's when one of, of the first encounters, I was like, why are they asking me coffee? Like, why can't they do it themselves? So I show them because I didn't even think it was a cliche or a bias. I told them, do, do you want me to show you how it works? And then it happens again when they asked me to do a photocopy. And <laughs> this time I took it like, come on, I'm going to show you how it <laughs> works. <laughs> and it came along the way. Like, I still have this example. I came in, in France to buy a certain supply and things for... So we were coming for a big client from the Middle East and we were coming to buy gifts. And I came to see a supplier. And the guy, you look at me like if I was disturbing him. And who are you again? But in a way that I know for a fact that you will never ask a man this kind of question. And I think all these examples keep coming, even people that cares. I had one example when uh, I was sharing a challenge with one of my mentors. And uh, I'm sure if he listened, he's going to kill me <laughs> uh, because we talk about it afterwards. But he, he told me, so I was sharing a challenge with an employee and he's a CEO as well. We finished the conversation. He thinks two minutes and then he told me, I think it's a bit too much for you. Maybe you should uh, focus on your three kids. (laughs) So (laughs) blank. And I'm like, OK, maybe I misunderstood. And it was quickly on WhatsApp. And I'm like, OK, maybe it's me. You know, I'm a bit sensitive and, and something is wrong. So I came back the day after. I'm like, I don't think you would say the same to a man. Like, why would you say that to me? oh, come on, don't think that I'm uh, I'm sexist. Why why would you say that? What are you implying? I said, no, but I'm I'm, I'm a bit offended because you won't say that. Mm -hmm. And you will say maybe to someone, go and, I don't know, go biking and it will help you get some fresh air. Uh, But I'm asking you and I'm sharing because I'm a CEO and you are a CEO and we can have a meaningful conversation. That's why I'm, I'm sharing in confidence. So why diminishing what I'm saying? And then this person answered and told me, no, I have more than... It's an 50% woman working in my company, so I don't understand what you mean. So I add and I say, please don't use women as a shield. <laughs> if I give you a feedback, please take it. And this is where I realized that even someone extremely smart, very open-minded, extremely educated, can tell you something that is a sexist comment. I can live with it, you know, I can just laugh about it and pass, but it's very important to give a feedback. It's very imp- important to call it out in a nice way, not in an aggressive, uh, aggressive way so people can correct themselves. And I think, actually now it makes me laugh because this negative moment, I turn it with the other co-founders that win, we turn it into, into the association. We say we can't keep having these negative feelings coming, let's turn it into something positive. And I told the, our co-founders when we started the association, I, I told them the big win would be when men will ask us to join us. And this is what's happening now. We had a win event recently and they were like, why do you do a woman-only event? And we say, OK, soon we're going to do, we're going to invite you as well. But, but this is life. Look, usually it was mainly a gentleman club and now it's changing, so... I still strongly believe in inequality. I don't believe in separation, and I think it's healthy to be together. And more and more it's going to happen, and
0: we, we're going to have meaningful conversation. And lastly, do you think it is ever going to be exactly where we as women want it to be, in any industry, feeling equal? I think it's a good question, but what do
1: women want? That's a big question. Between what I was expecting at the beginning of my career and what I'm expecting now, there is a big change. I never dreamt before that I would be able to do fundraising, because less than, what, 4% of women in the world have access to fundraising at the level I, I did with the company. And this is very sad. So... It's not only for me now to, ha- to see women entrepreneurs, to see that we can do technologies, that we can do finance, that we can have access to any job in the world. It's how long will it take now for the society to help let us fundraise, give us credibility? Now when we are talking and we say we were discussing with uh, investors and we were discussing eventually in the future IPO and so on, You don't have many women that bring a company to IPO. Maybe it's not the case with my company. Maybe it won't be the right choice at some point. But what I'm saying is you limit yourself as a woman. I just want now women to start understanding that there is no limit. And actually what I did, okay, it sounds exceptional, but it shouldn't be considered as something exceptional. It should be the norm for people that have a wish to become an entrepreneur to be able to reach that level. It was just extra hard because... Coming back to your point on sexist comment, I had a VC telling me one day that I explained a pitch and I I was, you know, all in explaining my company. And he looked at me and he told me, very interesting, I'm going to talk about it to my wife. And I asked him, OK, your wife has a VC fund? He said, no, but she likes this kind of girl stuff. (laughs) OK, this is very, (laughs) this is a bias. (laughs) And I want to be taken seriously. I think one thing that really still makes me a bit annoyed sometimes is when I'm not being taken seriously. Sometimes I laugh about it because it's okay. Like uh, Maybe they don't know what I'm doing or whatever. But sometimes I also find it that it's not even for me. I'm just putting myself into a woman's shoes and just thinking, again, we are still there. After 10 years, after 20 years, we are still there. And you are still belittling me? Why? Why are we still in that position? So... um, I think it happens less and less, I hope, at least. You hope. (laughs)
0: Things are changing, like you said, and we're moving towards a more positive direction and having conversations like this is what is hopefully going to, you know, further the cause. Uh, Julie, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, This conversation could go on for a few more hours, so maybe we'll speak off air. we would love to. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you very much for inviting me. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code.